Welcome back to the program. To achieve proficiency of a new language late in life is nearly impossible. But suppose you didn't just want to learn the language, you wanted total immersion, to learn the culture, the origins of the language, to become one with the language itself. That's what my guest, William Alexander, set out to do with French. He wanted to be French, and language was simply the vessel to accomplish that. But even with that kind of commitment, the effort almost broke his heart. William Alexander is the author of the best-selling The $64 Tomato and 52 Loaves, and it is my pleasure to welcome William Alexander back to this program to talk about flirting with French, how a language charmed me, seduced me, and nearly broke my heart. Bill Alexander, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. Nice to be back with you again. It's great to have you here. I sort of want to ask you when you, wanted, when you decided you wanted to learn French, but I think that the broader question is, when did you decide you wanted to be French? <laughs> I had uh, taken a trip to France when I was 22, and one of these back- backpacking trips through, through Europe, um, and after dropping French as a, a, a language in school, because I hated every minute of it, I got to France, and I just came home just totally in love with French, France, and all, all things French, and it took me 40 years to get around to trying to learn it seriously, but I, I finally did. And when you set out to learn it, you didn't just do one thing. You did everything. Tell us about that. <laughs> because really, nothing worked. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I first started by watching um, to see how Peter Sellers in the old Pink, Pink Panther movies uh, pulls the French R out of his gut when he says, do you have a hum? And then I moved on to using that, that yellow box that, uh, that we all know and, and many other boxes that we, we didn't know. I started with self-study software because I found that in the past cla- classrooms, going to a one-day-a-week language class or something, which would involve great travel for me too, just, just didn't, didn't work. And I could spend two to three hours a day uh, on, on, on my own. And I also uh, did a lot of social uh, Media. I went to meetup groups where we would speak French and uh, with other other Francophiles, and I had a French pen pen pal. I had a French Skype partner. I went to an immersion class. I guess the real question is, you know, what what didn't I I do? I really tried pretty much everything, and I ended up with two weeks in a very serious language class in the in the south of France where. Any other language but French was strictly forbidden. Did you find that the problems that you faced were a function of trying to learn a language at 50-plus years old, or did you think that you just didn't have a, a sort of innate facility for language that some people clearly do have? There are people who have a gift for languages. There are people who don't. I'll put my, myself in the latter group. But I got so frustrated not being able to do something that any child learns to do before he learns to tie his shoes that that I delved into why is that the the case. And and I found out that there are some reasons that it is is harder. Um, That the the, the two-year-old who's starting to learn his first language has twice as many circuits in his brain as you and I have. And that brain is wired for language for the first six or seven years of life until 
the brain says, okay, you've got that down, and now you have to learn some other skills to make it in this world, like, you know, kill, kill a wild boar or work your smartphone. And so those language circuits are largely taken down to make room for these other skills. And then you have the fact that, well, I've been speaking English for 57 years, and so when I think I'm listening to French, I'm not really listening to French through a Frenchman's ears. I'm listening to French through an Englishman's ears, an English speaker's ears, and it's, it's not quite the same. Um, we know that um, Asians who are not exposed to the R and L sounds in the English language by the age of nine months, never able to, to hear them, or never, never able to hear an R from an L, which is why they have trouble with those sounds. And that happens at nine months. What was the most effective method, or was it a progression of all the things that you tried in terms of really reaching some breakthroughs, some plateaus for you and trying to really become facile with the language? One of the breakthroughs that I that I reached was a was a method I kind of invented by taking two other methods and and one is where you try to memorize one of the problems I had at my age was it seemed that for every new word I learned I forgot a previous word and since you get taught the kind of important words first that's that's a bad thing so by the time I'm learning the words for like crutches and I have a broken neck. Uh, I had forgotten, you know, how to order a beer. Um, so I said, I'm going to have to work on this. So I, I found a, te- a technique where you take a French word and you think of an English word that reminds you of that French word. So if you want to learn the word for bread, pain, you think of a pan, which kind of sounds like pain, and you visualize that. And that didn't really work for me. But then I went to another technique that's been around for about 3,000 years called the memory palace in which you memorize a list of items by putting things into a room. And so when I start to put all these things into a room, I found that I could walk into that room and look around that room and, and come up with the French words for all the objects in that, in that room. By doing that, I learned a thousand words in 10, in 10 days. Was it harder to learn how to understand conversational French or to actually speak it? Um, so I found myself often kind of apologizing in, in France, saying, je parle un peu de français, mais je ne comprends pas. I speak a little French, but I don't under, understand it. And, and, and partly that's the nature of French, because French doesn't give you good cues as to where one word ends and the next word starts, and it doesn't uh, give you good accent on words to give you cues. We say intelligent with a strong em- emphasis on the second syllable. The French say intelligent, and they go right into the next word, and it makes it harder to pick out, to pick out words. To what extent did your overall appreciation of France and all things French, to what extent did that help you in a way in terms of just the hard part of learning the language? You know, I, I, I think if you, if, you pure, if you view a language as this thing that you want to learn, like learning math or learning to the, the play the piano or something, learning to drive a car, it, I think it's very hard to 
to do that way. I think you have to look at it as I'm not learning French. This is part of a larger goal, which is to maybe live a couple of months of the year in in France. You can't look at a language just as a language. You have to look at the language of what does this language do? How is it part of the culture? When a French person says bon, bonjour, it doesn't just mean hello. It, it's depending on the context. It can mean any number of things. And so you can't just look at the words. You have to look at it as a, as a whole. Did you reach a certain point where you said, that's enough? I've learned as much as I'm going to learn. I'm not going to do this anymore. Well, um, uh, my heart went into, a, into AFib about, uh, about four or five months uh, into the course of this. Um, and I was pretty sick for a while, and I had the perfect out. <laughs> you know, I, I could have stopped then, and no one would have blamed me. And I remember I was going to be in a, in, a, in a hospital bed for a week. And my wife said, do you, do you need anything? And I thought, you know, I got nothing to do for a week. I can study French 12 hours a day. <laughs> and I said, bring in the software, bring in that Sartre play. And so I tried to turn that into a, into a strength. But that, that was the closest that I came to quitting because I always felt, and I still feel, I think, that French is just kind of around the corner. A few more movies, a few more classes, a few more trips to France, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll have it down. How did this connect you in, in a deeper way or a more personal way with French culture and French life and all the things about France that you really like? Um, well, the, I mean, the, the first thing that it did was um, what, my, my introduction to not speaking French was thinking that I was ordering um, French veal when I ordered kidneys from a French calf because they used the same word for kidneys and calf. But to, to be able to walk into a restaurant and kind of order what you want, to walk into a shop, order what you want, to watch a French movie and realize that the subtitles that they're giving you are not really what the people are saying is really an, an, an amazing thing. Um, I realized how powerful the two and vu business is. We, we think two and vu, vu of course being the formal ver, uh, form of you and two being the casual form you might use with a, with a friend. We think it's grammar, it's not. It's all about power. And I remember watching a French film and seeing how they, they shifted very subtly from using to to vu with each other. And the translator really had no way to get that, get that across to an American audience reading sub, subtitles. Did it make you feel better that you knew the statistics with respect to how difficult it was to gain any kind of native proficiency at, at the age that you were starting? No, I, I, you know, I wasn't aiming for that. I just wanted to be fluent, and I thought, I thought I could be fluent with a minimal accent when I when I started out, and I thought I would do it in nine to twelve months. Um, and I had read stats, the um, the federal uh, language in, 
in, in institute says you can uh, get fluent in a language in 480 hours. No, I did nine, 900 hours and, and didn't. Uh, and I, I don't really take solace in the fact that uh, my experience is typical. I, I badly wanted to learn French, and I sometimes feel a little pang when I, uh, I meet a Frenchman and, uh, and I want to be able to help him with directions or, or something or just have a little chat, and I, I still can't do that. Did you have fun doing it, though? Uh, I I had a great deal of fun, and I think that that comes across in the in the book. I I wouldn't have traded this year for for anything. And Chinese is next, right? <laughs> I don't know about that, <laughs> but I, I I do I do intend to keep uh, keep a hand in language because it does seem to be uh, a good thing for someone my age to be doing. When did you decide you wanted to write about this and share your experience? Um. I really knew from the start that I, I thought there might be a book here. Um, my other two two books, uh, the sixty-four dollar t- t- tomato and and fifty-two loaves, were both about experiences I had I had had. Um, the desire to write to learn French came first, and then I was I was lucky enough to find a, a publisher who thought it it might make a a decent book. William Alexander, the book is Flirting with French, How a Language Charmed Me, Seduced Me, and Nearly Broke My Heart. Bill Alexander, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. It's been a joy. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. Bill, thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate Appreciate it. it. Take care. Bye.